Hello everyone, and welcome to another episode of Scary Stories for the Soul. When I was a kid, I used to have a recurring daydream of looking into the bathroom mirror and having someone else look back at me. The face in the mirror would look just like me, but not exactly. There would be something off about the face. It wasn't necessarily something physical, but more like something creeping behind the eyes. It was me, but it also wasn't. And more importantly, the me that wasn't me, that was lurking in the mirror's reflection, could see me too. I wasn't just looking at it. It was looking at me. My anxiety around this grew so large that I started to actively avoid looking in the bathroom mirror every time I walked in or walked by. I was afraid. Afraid of the reflection. Afraid that one of these days, when I glanced into the mirror, there would be someone else staring back at me. Mirrors and their supernatural qualities hold a great influence over different cultures and have their own little pocket of existence in the world of folklore. The Egyptians practiced something called katoptromancy, from the ancient Greek words katoptron, meaning mirror, and mantia, meaning divination. And through this practice, they believed that they could see into the future. Mirrors were supposed portals into other worlds, whether that be the spirit world or the world of events yet to come. By practicing katoptromancy, they could gaze into a mirror and divine their own fate, or the fate of others. They could also perform rituals to contact the spirits of the dead. Mirrors were often found in tombs and temples, and the Egyptian Book of the Dead describes a specific ritual in which a deceased person is made to look into a mirror. The deceased will see their own reflection and the life that they lived, making it easier for them to pass from this world into the next. The connection between death and mirrors can also be found across several different religions and belief systems. Reginald Fleming Johnson, a Scottish diplomat and the tutor and advisor for Pu Yi, the last emperor of China, documented a specific funerary custom involving mirrors. He wrote, quote, If the dead man happens to notice a reflection of himself in the glass, he will be much horrified to find that he has become a ghost, and much disappointed with his own appearance as such. Every mirror has a mysterious faculty of invisibly retaining and storing up everything that is reflected on its surface, and that if anything so ill-omened as a corpse or ghost were to pass before it, the mirror would henceforth become a permanent radiator of bad luck. It is a common Chinese funerary custom for all mirrors to be covered at the time of someone's death or funeral. It is believed that if a person were to see the reflection of a coffin in a mirror, that person is doomed to die. To protect against having an additional death in the family, 
all reflective surfaces are either covered or flipped over. Certain Buddhists in the island country of Sri Lanka also believe that if a spirit were to see their reflection in a mirror, they would become confused by their state and refuse to pass over into the other world. The Jewish process of sitting Shiva, a week-long mourning ritual, also touches on mirrors and the dead. The first step in the process of sitting Shiva involves covering all the mirrors and reflective surfaces in the home. According to the Talmud, the central text of Rabbinic Judaism, the Shadim are spirits or demons commonly found in Jewish mythology who can enter homes through reflective surfaces. To not only protect the living souls within the home, but also the body of the deceased, mirrors and reflective surfaces are covered to stop the Shadim from entering. The covering of mirrors is also meant to encourage inner stillness within ourselves, giving us the ability to meditate on the deceased and the impact that their death has had on not just us, but on the world as a whole. It's absolutely no secret that Christian and Catholic traditions haven't always been the most open to superstitions and the supernatural as a whole. For decades, the Catholic Church did everything they could to eradicate long-held Celtic traditions concerning the dead and how to not only honor them, but protect against them as well. That's why I was more than fascinated, thrilled really, to know that there are some funerary practices concerning mirrors lurking in their own traditions. Ancient Catholics, it seems, were just as afraid of ghosts as the rest of us. During Irish Catholic wakes, every surface or object that could cast a reflection was covered or turned around in an attempt to hide the physical body of the deceased from its soul. If the soul were to see its body before entering to heaven, it would become confused or mournful and refuse to pass on, instead choosing to wander the world of the living to stay amongst the living. It is also said that mirrors can trap the souls of the dead, and that if you were to look into one long enough, the dead will stare back. They also believed that looking too long into a mirror, admiring your own image, could conjure the devil. He'll look over your shoulder and admire you too. All Saints Day, Pope Gregory III's response to Samhain in the 8th century, is commonly celebrated on November 1st and was meant to be the antithesis of the Celtic holiday celebrating the arrival of the darker half of the year. Despite this, though, there are a few All Saints Day practices that have their origins in Samhain. For example, it is commonly believed that during All Saints Day, the veil dividing the world of the living and the world of the dead is at its thinnest. Sound familiar? This thinning gives the spirits roaming the world the added ability to pass through mirrors and into people's homes. Because of this, all mirrors and reflective surfaces on All Saints Day need to be covered and turned over to face a wall. This practice of covering mirrors for fear of attracting or trapping ghosts into our world was so commonplace at one point 
that even one of the most revered presidents in U.S. history had it enforced during his funeral. When Abraham Lincoln's body was laid in state in the East Room of the White House on April 18, 1865, House staffers were instructed to drape all the mirrors in the vicinity with black opaque fabric. William Cogshaw Turner's 1865 book, The Journeys of Lincoln, touched on this subject. Quote, the windows at either end of the room were draped black barrage. The frames of the mirrors between the windows, as well as those over the marble mantels, being heavily draped with the same material. The heavy gildings of the frames were entirely enshrouded, while the plates of the mirrors were covered with white crepe. Mirrors have become such mundane and commonplace items that the sight of one elicits little to no reaction. Unless we're feeling particularly good about ourselves, or even particularly bad about ourselves, we take a quick look in the mirror and then continue on our day. We don't expect to see anything else in those reflective surfaces other than ourselves, so we don't really give them a second thought. But maybe we should. Maybe we should linger for a while and count the blinks that those eyes staring back at us are blinking. Do they match with yours? Is that you? Or is that someone or something else masquerading as you? Watching. Waiting. For the perfect time to break free. Scary Stories for the Soul presents Mirror, Mirror on the Wall. The first thing she noticed were the mirrors stacked in a pile on the backyard patio. Lila had walked through her mother's house and hadn't really noticed their absence until she saw them struggling against the chilly October breeze outside. She knew that grief made people do strange things, but what was that about? Asking about it wasn't her original plan, but when she noticed that every mirror from every single room in the house had been removed, she gave in and did it. Mom, what's with the mirrors outside? Her mother was fussing over a platter of chicken salad, picking out grapes with an annoyed look on her face. Who puts grapes in chicken salad? Uh, what did you say? Oh, the mirrors. Your aunt insisted. I was going to say no at first, but, you know, I figured since my husband's not the one laying in that coffin, I should just do what I can to make her feel better even if this is my house. Aunt Betty made you do that? Yes, your Aunt Betty is grieving. So ignore the weirdness and go give her a hug. Lila did as she was told and weaved through the crowd of people in the parlor to her aunt. They embraced tightly. I know it's a stupid question, but how are you doing? The woman soothed out Lila's hair and shrugged her tired shoulders. Sad, but 
I have a feeling this is going to be my permanent state. I don't mind. I would rather be sad now than never have known him. Oh, honey, you have lipstick on your teeth. Oh, there are no mirrors in the house, so I didn't even notice. Today is the day to avoid mirrors. Trust me. Lila couldn't resist. She had to ask. Why are all the mirrors gone? Betty separated them slightly from the others and spoke in a hushed voice. Your Uncle Frank had it put in his will that all the mirrors should be covered on the day of his wake. He told me once that in his culture, mirrors served as gateways into the world of the dead. Spirits can sense when someone has entered their world, and sometimes they take advantage of that, that little thin moment between death and passing on, and they swoop in and cross over into our world. The mirrors are their gateways. So they cover them up to make sure that nothing gets trapped in and nothing can step out. Lila looked at her aunt, perplexed. And you believe that? Oh, I don't know if I do, but your Uncle Frank did, and I'm not going to go against his wishes now. Later that night, as the wake began to wind down, Lila walked into her mother's bathroom. The medicine cabinet mirror was obscured with a heavy black cloth, but her contacts were shifting, and she needed to fix them immediately. Locking the door behind her, Lila quickly removed the cloth and she fixed her lens. Gazing into the mirror, she fluffed her hair, reapplied her lipstick, and straightened out her dress before moving to leave. But as she turned her back to the mirror, she noticed something odd. The reflection was off. She couldn't quite put her finger on it, but it seemed wrong. There was something about the image staring back at her that didn't sit right. She got up close and studied it. That was her face, her mouth, the same slight bend in the nose and scar on the right eyebrow. The hair was hers and the body was hers, but the eyes, there was something behind the eyes, something dark and malicious that sent chills down her spine. She blinked, and the eyes blinked too, but a half second after she had. Raising her hand, she let it drop back down to her side, and the image in the reflection did the same, but with the same half second delay. Was she seeing things? Was she drunk? She had definitely had a few glasses of wine with her mother, but not nearly enough to send her into a full-blown hallucination. Then the image in the mirror smiled at her, a big, wide, toothy smile that made her own cheeks hurt. It raised its hand and waved at her before soundlessly giggling. Lila could hear the blood pumping in her ears. She opened her mouth to scream, but couldn't muster any noise. Tears of fright spilled down her cheeks as she backed herself up against the door, hoping to put as much space between herself and the mirror. 
and all the while, the reflection smiled. It was only when the image began to reach for the frame of the mirror that Lila stepped into action. Panic making her fingers numb, she fumbled with the fabric but managed to cover the mirror completely before storming out of the room. She didn't mention the incident to anyone. They took her tears as those of grief and not horror. By the time that Lila made it back home, she had completely forgotten about the incident in the bathroom, choosing to erase the mental images with as much boxed wine as her mother and aunt could provide. She had slipped into her pajamas, brushed out her hair, and removed her contact lenses without ever having to look into a mirror. But the time had come for her to wash her face and remove her makeup, something that she unfortunately needed a mirror to do. Slowly, she walked into the bathroom and switched on the light. With her eyes downcast, she began the process of scrubbing at her face, but anxiety made her hand slip and lavender-scented foaming cleanser leached into her eye. Frantically splashing water into her eye, she doused herself until the burning sensation subsided. Without giving it a second thought, Lila looked into the mirror and inspected her throbbing eye. But the image didn't move with her. Despite moving her eyelid up and down, pulling at the skin on her face, and pounding on the mirror until the glass shook, the image never moved. It stood perfectly still, staring at her. What do you want? She shouted at the image. Her reflection cocked its head to one direction and smiled. The skin stretched and peeled like melted plastic. Slowly, strips of pink and bloody skin began to fall into the sink. Lila frantically patted her face. She could feel the sting of raw muscle and bone, and her hands were bloody from inspecting it. She could feel every strip of skin slowly peeling off. She could feel the air hit her raw nerves as blood pooled at her feet. Then the skin on her reflection reappeared. Lila touched her face again and felt nothing but skin. Her hands were no longer bloody and there was no blood or carnage in sight. The image in the mirror laughed a full belly laugh of amusement at her horror. Please, Lila cried. Please, leave me alone. The reflection immediately stopped laughing and began to walk backwards, never breaking eye contact. Lila convinced herself that it was leaving, that it was finally going away, but then it stopped, and without warning, charged full speed at her. Lila watched spiderweb cracks form in the mirror as her reflection pounded at the glass with her body. She ran, tumbling out of the bathroom with the sound of cracking glass echoing behind her. Lila ran from the bathroom and into her living room. But when she looked at the reflection on her television screen, there was her double, arms outstretched, ready to strangle her. Quickly, she pivoted from its reach and ran into her kitchen where her reflection was cast on multiple surfaces. It stared back at her from her china cabinet doors 
from the window on the microwave, from the stainless steel pans that hung on her rack. No matter where she went, the nightmare followed. Lila was surrounded. An invisible hand wrapped itself around her throat. It squeezed until she could feel small bones in her throat pop and crack. The force lifted her up off her feet and she swung helplessly in the air. As her vision began to blacken, Lila began to kick her feet and flail her arms, hoping beyond all hope that one of her punches would land on whatever was tormenting her. But instead, her foot landed on the small glass table she had just bought, cracking its surface. When the reflective glass cracked, the hand around her throat let go, dropping her to the ground. Lila didn't waste another second. Struggling to her feet, she found the first heavy object she could get her hands on, the silver candlesticks her mother had bought her for her 30th birthday, and began shattering every reflective surface and mirror in her home. Glass rained down on her, cutting her skin. She trailed blood around her home, and she made her way from room to room. All the while, screams rang out around her. But not her screams. The blood-curdling, hysterical screams of whatever had been lurking in the mirrors. It tried its hardest to stop her. It threw her until she collided with walls, landed on furniture, and had more than one broken and sprained bone. It pulled her hair and bit her flesh and scratched her with invisible, sharp claws. But nothing could deter her from her cause. Anything that could hold a reflection needed to be destroyed. Finally, when her work was complete, she stepped back into the bathroom and took a look at the mirror. There was her reflection, not cut up or injured as she was, but pristine and clean, with a look of hatred and rage on its face that could melt steel. It bared its teeth like a rabid animal and shook the frame of the bathroom mirror, shaking it so violently that for a split second, Lila thought that it would shatter and the thing would re-emerge again. When it made the first crack, Lila swung the candlestick and shattered the mirror. She didn't stop swinging until the medicine cabinet lay on the floor, a mess of debris and glass. People often asked about Lila's aversion to mirrors. Her mother would tell people that she had adopted a new religion that made it sacrilege for her to indulge in such things, vanity and sin and what have you. But only she and her sister Betty knew the truth. They knew about what happened with Lila. Lila had called them herself that night, and they helped her clean her destroyed apartment after she had ended it all. So, Lila avoided her reflection and encouraged her mother and Aunt Betty to do the same. You never know, she would say, clutching her hands tightly. You never know. You don't know who's looking back at you.
we're getting closer to Halloween, which around these parts means one episode a week of Scary Stories for the Soul in October, all leading up to our special Halloween episode. Don't forget to tune in on Spotify, Apple Podcasts, and Good Pods so you don't miss out on any of the Halloween fun. You can also follow us on Instagram and Twitter and rate the show on Spotify and Apple Podcasts. If you have any legends, myths, or ghost stories you want to see covered on the show, or even if you want to send a quick fan mail, email your ideas to scarystoriesforthesoul2020 at gmail.com. One of my favorite things to do is read emails from you fine people. This has been Isabel Cortez. Until next time.